0: I am Pastor Wright for Get Right for Sunday. It has been a joy talking about the readings and the various topics connected to the Sunday worship and sermon. Today we are going to begin something new. It's truly the next step in the Get Right for Sunday podcast, and that is interviews. And today we will interview Dr. Dale Meyer, who has been preaching for 50 years, and I get to ask him some questions. And I get to ask him not only about preaching, but the church and the life of the church. And it was a humble and fun experience. And I hope you too enjoy listening to the input and insight of Dr. Dale Meyer. Thank you. Greetings and welcome to a special episode of Get Right for Sunday, and we're doing something different. We're going to have an interview. So I am Pastor Wright. I am accompanied with Vicar Lieber, and our special guest is Dr. Dale Meyer. (laughs) (laughs) He is super special. And today, I would like to ask Dr. Meyer some questions about getting right for Sunday, but specifically from the preaching aspect of getting right for Sunday. But before I do that, Dr. Meyer, would you introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Well, my name is Dale Meyer. My father in Chicagoland was a milkman. It's okay. He married my mom. (laughs) My mom is a stay-at-home mom. She's still alive, uh, 94 years old and doing reasonably well. From little on, I wanted to be a a minister. There are some in the family. And so I went to some church schools and, and, and some public schools. And in 1973, I graduated from Concordia Seminary. And lo and behold, all these years later, I find myself now newly retired. Congratulations. It's a strange experience.
0: Well, now you have all this free time to do amazing things like being interviewed.
1: Yeah, supplement
0: my income. (laughs) There you go. Or not. (laughs) Well, with that, um, a couple episodes ago, it was uh, the Reformation episode. You introduced Get Right for Sunday with I've Been Preaching for 50 Years. And this sparks my first question. It
1: seemed longer to some people. Some people.
0: <laughs> Within the fifty years of your preaching, what has changed? Not only the way in which you preach and topics, but also what you've seen in preaching.
1: There's a number of changes. One is 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 the style of preaching. I think is more conversational today.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: today preaching involves more narratives, storytelling, illustrations, at least in our denomination, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, the thought used to be, and this was what was taught at the seminaries, is you're giving them the Word of God, not up there to tell stories. The fact of the matter is that in this day and age, we wanna know the pastor as a as a person, a human being, and and stories personal illustrations, if they are properly handled. Now, that's a a whole other topic. Help help to create the bond between the preacher and those who are listening. The Greek philosopher Aristotle said that there are three things that accomplish persuasion, and one of them he called That That's a connection between the character of the pastor and his audience. Uh, the, The second for Aristotle was pathos. An emotional bonding so that when, when you talk on Sundays about whatever problem, for example, now COVID is, is, is just so tough. The people wanna know that you're feeling the same pain that, that we're feeling in the pews. So yeah, th- th- that, that's been a change. Uh, length of sermons, give or take, uh, where you preach from in or out of the pulpit, which I think is totally an irrelevant matter that has changed. Um, the biggest change today for me is that we are no longer in quote unquote, Christian America. Mm-hmm. Public culture and church culture do no no longer reinforce one another. and so the 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 burden of preaching today is is to show that those distinct differences between public life and what we profess in the church as, King James, peculiar people. And, and, and basically then, it's the Word of God, and wherever the Word of God is present, however it is preached, the Spirit is there
2: to work faith. So you're saying one of the big changes is that effective communication, which preaching is communication, now includes the ethos, the, the character of the speaker as part of an essential part of that communication and not just, oh, that's an essential, it doesn't matter who's preaching as long as we hear the word of God. That's now on the table. And you're also pointing out that our audience and the world our audience lived in, lives in, has changed, and their relationship to the world outside of the church doors has changed. And so that, well, changes how we talk, how we converse. You brought up preaching is kind of discussion at the beginning too.
1: Yeah, ethos has always been there. But when I was a kid growing up, I knew the pastor. I knew that he was a man of integrity. Nowadays, with, with the dissing of the institutional church and clergy, you know how we're portrayed on TV, I think that, that ethos is important. Yeah, this this is a guy that I think I can trust. And our messages then will help reinforce
2: that. So it used to be that the office itself carried all the ethos that you needed, but since the office e- the, since the office took a public beating, uh, the ethos now has to be established a little bit more personally.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's right. You know, uh, as in get right for Sunday, <laughs> the vicar gets right <laughs> on, on what he says. Um, it's interesting. Seminary students, and so I've been at the seminary for twenty two years in two different stints. Seminary students graduate thinking that they've got automatic credibility because they've been ordained. No, they they will be tolerated in their first church until they prove what you said, Vicar. Yeah, this is this is a true shepherd of the souls. He cares about us. He's with us, um, and and then the credibility is 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 really built. Mm. Um, somebody said the seminary does not produce pastors. We get a fellow ready to go into a congregation, and the congregation then actually makes the pastor.
0: Mm -hmm. I'd really agree with that, especially with uh, both uh, this call and my previous call. You show up, and you do carry the the title pastor, but when you're introduced, you're the pastor, and the first time you're introduced as my pastor— Hmm. It really means something because it is. There's a connection. There's a relationship. This means something instead of just the guy talking at me or just the guy that does this. And, and I think it, it's fascinating to hear how much this actually carries on any given Sunday. Yes, he may be speaking biblical truth, but is this a guy that I can trust and listen to then to apply? I, I do think that's a an interesting aspect because even in the the few years that I've been a pastor, I've seen that change.
1: I was preaching someplace over the years, and I delivered a halfway decent sermon. <laughs> and I'm shaking hands at the church door, and a woman came out and she complimented me on the sermon. But then she said, but he's our pastor.
0: Oh, wow. That
1: told the whole story.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like that. Well, um, another question I have, uh, is um, what is the funniest thing that has happened to you in the middle of a sermon? Let it be in the congregation or to you yourself.
1: Well, things have happened. Now, the first thing that I think of wasn't funny, but, but I served here at Holy Cross, and I've been privileged to be active in various ways at Holy Cross for, what, almost 40 years, well, we've got a big balcony. For those of you who haven't seen it, there's a huge balcony in this church. It seats about what, 700 people. Yeah. A man passed out. Oh no! During my sermon. Oh my! Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and he was in the balcony, sitting over there on the on the organ organ side of the balcony. Well, I could see that while I'm jabbering away. Most of the congregation couldn't see it. So you had to make a decision, you know, do I stop or do I keep preaching? Well, the paramedics had come in and so it was being being tended to. So I kept preaching. Now that was really a hard mental thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I think we pulled it off and then when we went to the prayers, I I, I announced what had happened. <laughs> so it it turned out for this this great saint fine um but but that's that's one thing that I I remember. Funny things that have happened have, have th- there have been many of them. I can't think of a specific, but I've opened my mouth and put in my foot. <laughs> and and fortunately, you know, getting back to the ethos thing, they knew me.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So it's 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 not like the political dog eat dog world. You know, it's our pastor, and you know he, he does sometimes make a. a misstatement like that. So, yeah, but I, that that brings up those are, those are two extremes But one of the things that, that that I love about preaching, and as a kid wanting to be a minister, I, you know, I never thought much about preaching, but there's an electricity that goes on. and and I wish that all our listeners could kind of be in the pulpit with us as we're looking at the crowd. We're thinking about what we're saying. And 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 it shows the the marvels of God's creation. The brain operates at any number of levels.
0: Oh yeah.
1: And and the great thing is this electricity. It's a it's a conversation back and forth. Even though it looks like a monologue, yeah, you know, Dale standing up here droning on and on. But you're playing with the mind, and 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 I think you fellows get this uh, when when you craft your sermon it's always as if it were a conversation you're trying to trigger thoughts react to their arguments uh and and so on I just find that back and forth electricity exciting you know there's there's not many things in life that I find as exciting as as preaching or, or just generally speaking in public and that and 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 this has to do with you know with the emotional thing right yep before we went on the air we were talking about virtual worship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I and my wife listened for, to Holy Cross's stream for, what, six, seven months, okay? Because we were skittish about this thing. Uh, this thing being COVID, not Holy Cross. and And, okay, we watched it. We got the content. It wasn't the same as being there. Mm. The vibes somehow get lost through the internet, whereas when you're sitting there, there's something magical happening. Maybe it's not magical. It's it's the way God designed it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. No, I'd absolutely agree with that because on the flip side, uh, and, and I mentioned this a few times in sermons, preaching to a empty church, knowing that there's people listening, but there is not that connection. And not that you're looking for the, the nod or the, the shaking or emotional expressions, but the lack of connection really does create this vacuum. Did I say enough? Am I really talking to people? Is this just dry information that is being disseminated instead of that electricity? And I agree with you to to stand in the pulpit and especially with the Holy Cross elevated pulpit, you really do get to connect and see everybody. And it is a conversation without just, please let me talk at you, but let us talk, let us reason.
1: That prompts a couple things in my mind. First of all, we've noticed the last couple Sundays since we are coming back, the pulpit creaks.
0: Oh, yeah, you heard that very yeah. badly. Yes, and
1: and and that's new to me. And and I'm a pretty energetic preacher. I don't remember that, but it's it's creaking now. okay? Yes. Uh, a second memory is I was doing a Lutheran Hour rally, so I spent twelve years as speaker of the Lutheran Hour, and that what a phenomenal experience that was. But there are sometimes they will have this in a theater and they have spotlights on you. And when they turn the spotlights on, it's not unusual that everything in front of you is black. So yeah. you cannot see if there the the crowd is out there. Ooh. And that's that's that was really weird. i'm I'm used to talking or doing into a into a mic or doing video without people.'ve I've gotten used to that. It, it's an adjustment, you're right. Yeah. But wow. I'm up here, I know I'm live, but I can't see anything. Now, the, the, the ancient orators and, and a lot of preachers would have less reserved audiences. Okay, They would react, hmm. kind of like the British Parliament when you see yeah, see, see that stuff going on. And I always assumed our, our, our church, our staid Lutherans, You know, they don't react too much, but it's interesting as, 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 as you grow in experience and and you've already seen this, you can read their faces, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're connecting, when you're not connecting, when they're just kind of humoring you by watching. And, and that was a big, big revelation to me. No, they're actually, you read their faces and you're both, if I may, you're both very good about not having your head in a darn manuscript. (laughs) You look, you got to look at the people, you know? So, uh, yeah,
2: when you can feel that electricity, when when you see the faces and you read them, that energy comes back to you. That's the feedback that you get while you're preaching. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and there are times when, you know, I've got them in the palm of my hand. <laughs> I mean, for the Lord. OK, so it, we uh, yes. properly understood. But there are times when, you know, I'm hitting. Mm-hmm. I'm hitting that. That's that's great.
0: Well, my next question uh, kind of goes back to the connection with the congregation audience. What do you want the hearers to know and understand about preaching and about the, and not just the message of Christ as Savior and Lord, but the the, the craft, the, the act, and, and the relationship?
1: Martin Franzman who was a professor at the St. Louis Seminary. Interestingly enough, he left in the spring of 1969, and I arrived on campus in the fall of 69, so he probably knew I was coming. <laughs> Phenomenal man. And I, I hear Franzman's stories all the time. But he preached a sermon about the man who went home from church with only a word in his pocket. I think that a sermon it has many things it has to do but it should give the people a good word for the day and hopefully for the most of most of the week i taught a homiletics class homiletics is just a fancy word for preaching <clears throat> and i asked the students to, to come up with some ideas about the sanctity the blessings of of as the catechism says, lead a chaste and decent life in word needing each love and honor a spouse. Well, It was interesting. They they started to talk about a text and a marital problem in the text or a sexual problem in the text. This is nothing too racy. And then they went off into, they were going to talk about God's faithfulness. And I said, wait a minute. Yeah, God, God is faithful, and that, that faithfulness shows in marriage because God is faithful to his people. You know, Christ is the bridegroom, and we're the bride, da-da-da-da. But I said, well, what does that mean on, on, on Monday morning? Mm. And I think what we too often do is we, we get off into the ethereal heights of, of God and theology and faithfulness, and hey, I'm the son of a milkman. What does all this mean on Monday? You know, when I'm just trying to make it, and and Pastor, you and I have had these these yeah. talks yeah. for all the years, years you've been here. Um, you know, most people didn't go to the seminary, so they want the shepherd, you know, to bring it down to where they live, kind of a you know, bring it down to my blue collar existence. And I think that's a, that's a big challenge of preaching because it's easy for us to say, yeah, for example, God is faithful. He keeps his promises. Well, show me, mm-hmm. you know, give me some evidence of that. So I would say, yeah, just to send them home with a good word for the day. Maybe they'll remember it for, for the week. Uh, we're kind of like uh, people along a marathon who are passing out drinks along the way. Their marathon is toward heaven, and we're just giving them the water of life as, as they go by us.
0: I like that imagery. That's, it's really nice because it is sustaining, but it is that constant and right.
2: continual. I like that. This podcast is kind of about getting right for Sunday, obviously. And what you're saying is kind of the, the act of preaching is about helping the hearer get right for Monday and, you know, past that and beyond.
1: Uh, Jesus with his skin on.
0: Yeah. Well, my next question, uh, as a preacher, uh, this actually comes from my daughter, Lily. She asked this question. She wants to know if you like preaching more than you like doing the other stuff in the service. <laughs> so the liturgy and uh, things like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. And yeah, maybe that's just me. I mean... We're all made differently. When, when I left Holy Cross and became speaker of the Lutheran Hour, one of the things I noticed was that I'd be preaching every Sunday. I mean, I've been on the road most weekends of my l- last thirty years. All I had to do was preach. Well, that's relatively easy. Not to, not. It was easier than mm-hmm. when, as pastor. Well, Pastor Wright, Aunt Matilda went into the hospital. Pastor, I don't like what the Board of Trustees is doing. (laughs) Pastor, it's just too cold. Pastor, the organ is playing too loud. You know, you get all that kind of stuff. (laughs) And hey, compared to that, it's a lot easier to preach.
2: (laughs) I think the takeaway here is that we need more uh, voices yeah, on this I like- show. <laughs>
1: I want to know is get right for Sunday. Is that like setting up an ambush or is that to help us prepare for Sunday worship?
0: I'm going to le- leave that hanging and just le- let that sit. <laughs> uh, that, that is, um, there was a Facebook comment, uh, get right for Sunday or get left behind. Oh, I, I, I like that one. You oh, might not. be able to write a series of books on that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, I'd love to throw uh, your question back at you, Pastor Wright. Uh, Do you uh, enjoy preaching more than the other parts of the service or the other
0: way around? So Lily asked me the same question, and I said, uh, I actually have a lot of issues on both ends. I love preaching because it is the connection, and you really do get to talk to the people that the Lord has graciously put into your pastoral care. But to oversee or preside over the liturgy, You are carrying them with you. And uh, to be frank, I have issues with you being there, (laughs) Victor, or our field workers, because I want to do it. (laughs) That stuff is fun. It's exciting. And it was really hard to move to Holy Cross and share the chancel, share the pulpit, share the lectern. And, And now that I've done it, it is the neatest thing in the world to have other people there because you get to play off of them. You get to help them. And it's all this this communal aspect. And especially during COVID, I I was blessed to have Vicar Pearson uh, and yourself show up because now you really aren't alone. And it really did create, okay, there are other people doing this and with you. So um, I'm kind of skirting the the, the question. Right. Because I really like doing both. I, I, I love preaching, but then to be able to speak the liturgy those are God's very words to be given and to receive and to pass out um, and I think it's great but to go back to your statement there's been one or two times where I've had the pleasure of going to another congregation just to preach mm-hmm. and that is the coolest thing because you show up say your stuff wave at everybody and you're gone <laughs> yeah
1: yeah uh, uh, a couple things to what you said one is, you are very good about bringing other people into the leadership of worship. You're not a control freak. And, and, and people pick up on that. Mm-hmm. A second thing about preaching and, and liturgy and about being pastor in general is, is besides the word of God, you're also shaping the character and the culture of the congregation for yeah. years to come and that's so important you could get up and give a doctrinally correct sermon mm-hmm. and it would not change the the the, the culture of the mm-hmm. congregation because the the personality of the pastor was not conducive to that right and and dr walther in his book law on law and gospel talks about that there's more going on in preaching than than simply getting the doctrine right yes you want to do that right but but i th- i think you you, you you, you don't seem to be defensive at all, and, and that, that comes across. I mean, you have even used me once in a while. <laughs> and then not again for six months. <laughs> you got to space that out. Yeah. <laughs> Just teasing.
0: Well, Vicar, do you have any concluding questions you would like to ask as student and vicar?
1: And since I'm no longer the president, I can, can you?
2: Oh yeah, that, That's true. You know, I, when I found out that I was uh, assigned to this congregation, I was a little worried because uh, this this vicarage assignment came with the caveat, you know, this is Dr. Myers' congregation. And I was worried. I was especially worried about preaching to you because not only were you my seminary president, I also know you were a homiletician, a homiletics professor. And so I was... I was quite worried uh, coming in with that. And I was was grateful that you were doing the live stream so that I didn't have to look you in the face. (laughs) Uh, You know, they told me
1: years ago that I had the perfect face for radio. So you're kind (laughs) of confirming that.
2: No, uh, we talked at the beginning of this episode about how preaching has changed and kind of where it was and where it is now. And so I guess my question as someone standing at just the start of my ministry, at the very beginning, What's the path forward look like if you have any you know thoughts or ideas on that?
1: The path forward for uh, especially
2: as it pertains to preaching yes
1: Oh I think it's 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 phenomenal and I wish I were younger. Um, first of all, when I go to hear a sermon even in class when students are preaching, I just want them to speak to my soul okay? Uh, how do you prepare for Sunday, listener? Well, get right for Sunday is, is is one way. But the other way is just get in touch with your feelings. I mean, mm-hmm. we all have feelings, and our feelings reflect the interaction of original sin in our hearts and the law that God put into our hearts at creation. And that stuff stirs up. It's kind of like a manure pit that has an agitator in it. Da, da, da. <laughs> so one of the ways to get prepared for Sunday, besides anticipating the lessons, is simply to get in touch with how you're feeling. Where's where's your gut at? Mm-hmm. What I think is is so promising, and why I say I wish I were younger, we've come out of Christian America. Now I don't think our older parishioners understand that. Right. Our, we're still a lot of us back in the 1950s, da-da. But people need the clear Distinctions between Jesus ways and the the special life of the church and what's going on out there. Uh, and 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 Sunday by Sunday you can you can draw those clear lines, and you can teach. I was telling the students in in homiletics, I said you don't have to beat the people up for their sins. <laughs> And they kind of push back. Well, the law is supposed to condemn. I said, the law condemns, but you don't have to clobber them with a two by four. We're getting beat up. COVID is beating us up. Mm-hmm. What we have to do is explain what's mm-hmm. going on here theologically, okay? What is the law doing? And explain this in a way that you, you, you see their eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, re- I remember a time, it, it, and, and when you preach around, you use the same sermon several times, <laughs> But I was talking about. I think most men are, even church men, are very angry. You could see their eyes open up. Well, that's kind of explaining, and that opens up explaining what the law is doing and how the gospel tends to our 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 angers. So I I think it's great because, hey, vicar, I don't know if you go into that candy store down on <laughs> Demun.
2: I haven't been there yet. Now. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it. it I think it, This is a kid in a candy store sort of time. You just... There is so much going on. Yeah. And the Word of God sheds light on on the most fundamental issues that are going on. Mm -hmm. We're living... Basically, we're living in a culture dominated by the law, and they're not going to hear good news. Oh, they're going to hear fake good news, various (laughs) places. But they're not going to hear real good news that is credible, reasonable good news any place in the church. The church has a different opportunity now than it did back when I was a kid. Today, the church has the opportunity to be what, what uh, political scientists call a mediating institution.
2: Ooh. Can you explain what that means? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> okay,
1: so you, you know where I live. I live yep. across from the American Legion right here in Collinsville.
0: Next to the helicopter.
1: Next to the helicopter, and it's the old George Kreit house. Yeah, he used to run a hardware store in town, so it's a ninety-year-old home. Well, across the street is American Legion. What happens at the American Legion? You know, veterans come together, you know, to socialize, to talk, to, yeah, to have have beer. Um, but they they reinforce one another. They affirm their fellowship, and 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 they maybe not consciously, but 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 they. Understand how, as as veterans, to go out into the world
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and what opinions you have, okay? The church is a mediating institution that way, Mm -hmm. and especially in this day and age when we don't have a public culture that is hospitable and complementary to the mission of the church. A public culture that is often adverse, indifferent, hostile to the message of the church, how am I gonna cope with this? Is the government gonna be my savior? Well, of course not. We have hyper-individualism. You know, I, I can't deal with these idiots at work or wherever it happens to be. Well, who is going to teach us that we are loved and that we have a, a, a godly role in society, how to function in society, how to carry out the commandments of the second table in a way that's, that's unique? That's the mediating institution. It's like when you sit at the, at, at, at the supper table, mm-hmm, okay? Yeah. And your kids say, well, what about this and what about that? And I'm upset by this. That? Well, mom and dad teach them how to handle what's going on at, say, school, okay? Unlike Christian America, the last century, when things were complementary, public life and, and church life, now the church not only has an opportunity i think we have the duty to teach what does it mean Mm. to fourth commandment obey authority fifth commandment promote life sixth commandment promote chastity and, and decency seventh commandment to honor property property is divinely sanctioned eighth commandment reputation social media so this this is all new so i mean vicar you're a kid in a candy store <laughs> and, and God give you 50 more years to preach because there's no limit to what you can do.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And the shift from the, the spiritual two by four to the opportunity to to guide and be something unique and, and different in our the lives of our heroes and in our culture.
0: Again, this is a, a special episode of Get Right for Sunday. It really opens up the aspect of what we do on Sunday does carry on into the rest of the week. And, and Dr. Meyer, I really appreciate you being the willing to come, hang out with us, uh, let us probe your, your mind, answer your questions. Did you find anything? So we, we, we found a <laughs> lot of great nuggets. But with all of this, though, the joy of there's so much more than just a guy talking, so much more than just the Bible. This is all relational. This is all about life here and life beyond, especially in what's promised in Christ. So thank you again for giving of your your time, uh, your knowledge, and your support and prayers.
1: I would just say that giving of my time was a huge sacrifice, (laughs) because now in retirement, I usually have shuffleboard every afternoon.
2: (laughs) That's real important.
1: And then, uh, you know, and then we have happy hour and we go to the restaurant. But the restaurant for us seniors closes at 530. So I had to rearrange my whole (laughs) villages at Collinsville social (laughs) schedule. But for you guys, I would
0: do it. Do you do all those shorts and the loafer uh, shoes? For the shuffle, yeah,
1: but, but knee socks, up knee socks, black or black, of course. black knee socks. Yes, absolutely. I'm into this.
0: I'm into this. I'm, I'm all good, for good, it. Good, yeah, we'll get you some colorful socks. <laughs> well, thank you much, and God's peace and blessings be upon us. Thank you for joining us for this interview with Dr. Dale Meyer. If you found this edifying, beneficial, or even helpful, please share this with others that they too might find the insights of Dr. Meyer helpful in the preparation for Sunday worship and Sunday sermons. If you would like to further the conversation, or if you have any comments about what you heard, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at our email, getrightforsunday at gmail.com. Thank you and God's blessings be upon you.